What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of For the Love of Cinema, where our motto is, we just hope it doesn't suck. This is episode 292B. B. Thank you. The second episode for the week, uh, where we will now discuss our thoughts on Prizefighter, the story of Jem Belcher. With you for that discussion, Grayson and Roger. For the discussion on Day Shift, including the whole box office breakdown, what streaming, trailer talk, check out episode 292A, posted on Tuesday, 923. Well, Roger, this is this is Tuesday, 923, where we're recording the next episode. But Yes. We had some a little bit of, I had a rough weekend, and we couldn't, we couldn't get it all in. Yeah. But, Roger, we watched another movie. I think we're going to be slightly divisive. I think so. Um, but I have points. I have talking points, and I'm sure you do too. So. All right. Without further ado, as is uh, now tradition, let's jump right to Prize Fighter: The Life of Jim Belcher. Look at the tomato meter; is a whopping fifteen percent, one five. <laughs> That's not what I'm going to be disputing because I, I don't think if I were going to score it, it wouldn't be much higher. This movie has so many problems. There are some issues with this movie, and the audience score is forty four percent, a little a little, little higher. I think that's more around the where I expected the audience score to land, to be honest. And this is one of those movies where I think it's, I, if you go on, if you go on rotten tomatoes Mm -hmm. um, where we know just, just to get like a, just see where we're landing with our seeing the school, the tomato meter, the audience score never changes how I think of a movie. It never does. No, it shouldn't. I, I I just, I'm looking at it for reference, but if you read some of like the the um what are the the the, the, the splat ones or the ones that like the yeah the negative reviews the negative reviews one of them is we've seen this story way too many times that's not a negative against the film I don't th- how can that possibly be a negative against the film um yeah that one's that one's a tough one I think I w- I mean listen I this movie isn't very good but I don't have any problem with the story it tries to tell. Is that well, no, is that no. a fair assessment though? Like it's, it's not the, not the story's that is, that is fault. A fair, but the, but that but that here's the thing about my here's my thing about criticism. What I've been trying to convey, at least recently, is that comment comes from a film critic from a newspaper. Like that's not that's something that like I expect a high school student to say. But it's just mm. to 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 put that as a negative against this movie is weird. And I just okay. So as a frame of reference going into it. I really do, and I would, I would put, I would put this up against what I'm about to say up against anyone in the industry defending anything. I think Cinderella Man is the best boxing movie we've ever gotten in the wow. main, in the mainstream cinematic release. I know Rocky's stellar. Um, okay. You know, you know, people love Raging Bull. I get that, but I do think Cinder- Cinderella Man. When I saw it, it blew me away. I thought it was one of the best movies I had ever seen. Cinderella I, is incredible. Cinderella Cin- Man is an incredible movie. Cinderella Man's a ten, and we're not even talking like a barely sure. barely eked it out. We're we're talking it fucking blew it out of the park. 10. Sure, but I, I just I just want to reference just so just so I get a baseline because listen, I think Cinderella Man's a ten. I think it's incredible, but I also consider Rocky the original Rocky a ten. I also consider Raging Bull a ten. Oh sure, no, so, no, one, no one's going to argue those. Okay, things. I just want to make sure we're on the same scale here. That's all. No one's going to argue, and I, I think at some point, like you always say, you know, with movies, fun matters. It does. Um, I does. And, and to me, I think personal taste has to somewhat factor into something somewhere. 
or else we'd all be saying the same, literally the same wording and the same phrasing of the same sentences per movie. You know, yeah. who we are and our experiences kick in. And I just happen to prefer Cinderella Man over Rocky, though. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I love Rocky. It's a hell of a movie. It deserved the Oscar. Same with Raging Bull. I love Raging Bull. I mean, you know, yes, we've heard the argument. Raging Bull is not a boxing movie. Huh? I mean, yeah, yeah, it is. Even a, if it's a, not a boxing movie to you, it's still a 10. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's still a movie about boxing that is still a damn well-crafted film. And it's a no, fun family film. No one's going to dispute that. It's not bad. Now, it's not what, bad at all. What gets me is what I, what I was excited and why I brought up Prize Fighter a couple of times when we, when we were talking on the show about what to watch the next week was Russell Crowe was in Cinderella. He was Jim Braddock in Cinderella. I mean, and time has not been good to Russell Crowe. Recent years, old, old, uh, old Russ is uh, not exactly the physical specimen that he once was. He's not. And However, it, though, I think it fits this role that he plays very well. You know, we. <laughs> the funny part is I think it's – I think we we when we discussed. Do you remember Unhinged, like the very yep. first movie back in theaters? For yep. both, you know, we you know we talked. Oh, he, the he, movie that was delayed three different times because oh. they wouldn't let us come back to movie theaters. <laughs> yeah, of course. But we're like, oh, he definitely like he definitely put on some weight for that role. I think maybe he didn't put on as much weight for the role as we think he did. Yeah. <laughs> now I understand that that character and this character, Jack Sly or whatever, Jack Slack. Um, Jack Slack. They are definitely characters that are the life has gotten the better of them. They are out of shape. They are just men that have fallen off the bandwagon sure. and have never found their way back and will never find the way. And I, I get that. But like Russell Crowe is an interesting topic for me, especially with boxing film, because I said he was in one of the best ones ever. But mm-hmm. Russell Crowe, won, in the early 2000s, there was no better actor in Hollywood than Russell Crowe. So, I mean, that's just it's a big deal for me. But. So moving into uh, Prize Fighter, the the life of Jem Belcher is this is a story of um, Jack Slack's grandson Jem Belcher, mm-hmm. and I think there's two distinct movies here: the first hour and the second hour of this movie. I don't know if you noticed that, Roger, but things change pretty dramatically when yep. we get. And uh, I like the first half of this movie. I like the setup. Um, Jack Slack is. You know he's Russell Crowe. He's just he's just we we come up on him. And he's just bludgeoning a dude and like, he's just fighting. They're literally boxing for money. But like, there's no pads. And he's just punching his dude in the face over and over again. And that this is like in the early 1800s. This is I mean, Jem Belcher isn't he considered to be one of like he not one of he is the first people's champion in boxing. The first champion of uh, the first yeah the first uh, yeah. Was it People's Champ? Is that what they call it? They call it something different because he's he becomes the champion of England, but he's not the first champion of England. But he's like he's because first, yeah, of, because of him winning, like mega like popularity. They, yeah, they like his popularity. They start talking about like how boxing formed then, like with weight classes and like unified rules and all that stuff. It's because of Jim Belcher. Yeah, of course. And that's a, a, a little bit of that is conveyed in this movie, and I do appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in the, the the first half of this movie, when well, not going to say first half, maybe the first twenty five or thirty minutes with Russell Crowe, I think is probably the better stuff in the movie. I mean, and and it's here's here's the thing with here's the thing with um, here's the thing with the Rotten Tomatoes or the 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 review though is you also got to take into account. Who's in this movie? I mean, we have, you have Russell Crowe, mm-hmm. Jody Jody May, both 
Oscar winners, like off the charts, Oscar winners, you know, yep. Ray, Ray Weinstone. I mean, you have a great cast here. Um, and, and that, and that, that has to matter somewhere, you know what sure. I mean? Like it, it sure, sure the hell does. Um, but it just, in, in, in defense of what you're saying, Rogers, I never truly think this movie hits its mark ever, even close to what it wants to be. And the, the person playing Jem Belcher, he's the producer, he's the writer, he is the, the driving force behind this movie. Yep, this is his movie, basically. He yeah. wrote it, he produced it. He didn't direct it, though. He did star in it. <laughs> I mean, give yourself yeah. the good role, I guess. Well, I mean, of course. But, I mean, there and I think... Maybe... He's in pretty good shape, given that. Well, sure, I'll give him that. But, I mean, I don't think... I don't know what the budget for this one was. I couldn't. I, I Googled it, and I got a couple of different numbers. I can't get a clear number on that either, actually. Isn't it? So it's – this is – it's just directed by um, Daniel Graham. Uh, however, the the title character of uh, Jim Belcher is Matt Hookings, who's also a producer and also a writer on this. And, of course, uh, we have Ray Weinstone, Russell Crowe, Martin Saucas, uh, Jody May. Uh, we have – it's a good cast. So – Rod, tell us what Prize Fighter: The Life of Jem Belcher is about. So it is about Jem Belcher, obviously, in his life. Um, but he, uh, it starts off with him as a young boy um, hanging out with his um, like drunk grandfather. I guess is the easiest way to say it. Who fights for money, and you know his dad's not around, and his mom hates the fact that he's hanging out with grandpa, and you know he ends up learning how to fight. His mom basically is like, you can't do this, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, of course he does it anyway. And, um, and then we kind of have like a hard jump forward, right? It's, it's, what does it say? 10 years later. And 10 years. this is where my first real problem with this movie comes in. You have a kid that looks like he's maybe seven or eight years old, right? And it says 10. So you assume he's 18 or 19 years old, right? This man goes from seven to 35. In ten years, he did. He really does. It is an astounding jump forward in time, but you know that's just a joke. Me and Grace were making before it started about how much this. He was so he was born in eighty nine, so he's thirty three right now. Yeah, he looks older than thirty three in this movie, though, doesn't he? He definitely does. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say he doesn't. But I mean, and he ends up. Uh, he's he's working as an apprentice at a forge, you know, trying to make money, provide for his family. Um, they still all live together. And he ends up at like a like a, a fair or like a community thing going on, and ends up there's a bunch of dudes drinking beer and fighting in the woods, which is awesome. And I wish they did that like now. Um, and there's a big guy and the guy you know carnival barker style is like if anybody can last around, you get my whole bag of money. Blah blah blah. No one does though. Jem step in there. He easily survives the roundups. Ends up knocking the guy out cold. You know takes some full purse full of money and kind of leads him down this path of ending up um, getting trained by a local promoter and Bill Wurr is that's Ray Weinstone. That's important. Yep. Which is awesome. Dude's rules and everything that he does. Favorite role from him is this guy from the departed. Love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and this is basically his story. He becomes like the people or the champion of England. He beats off, beats some royalty and, um, continues to get folded into high society and beating up people and up until he takes an injury and you know the story progresses where he basically has to win his fight win his title back so um that's the real short summation of this movie 
Uh, I wish it was that clean and concise, but there's uh, there's some weird parts of this movie, very weird parts. But we'll talk about that here in a few minutes. We will, we will, and and I, man, I going into this movie, I mean, again, we don't see trailers for a lot of these, you know, streaming films. We might catch one if we're lucky, but we don't see a whole lot of these. And it's it would have been very apparent what this movie was had you seen a trailer first because it does. It looks like the the budget is all of about fifteen bucks. Some some. Um, so it's a. It's less than twenty million, which is a hard, hard thing that I could find. Which is isn't an indie movie though. That's a lot of money for some of these. Hold on, hold on. Even if it was an indie budget, Russell Crowe, Jodie May, Bill or uh, Ray Weinstone. I'm sorry, not indie film anymore. <laughs> you know, it's like that's just not that's not gonna, not going to happen. But you, this is the life of Jim Belcher, and how they chose to present it is, I think, part the majority of the issue here is. You know, and I, I also have an issue. I, I have several things that like issues of the story, but does Jody May's character, does his mother ever smile? Like, no, she I mean, cries a lot. I mean, I understand like her life is wrecked. Her yeah. father, Russell Crowe's character, um, Jack Slack is, he's a piece of shit. He's wow. He is though. I mean, he, he's a he's womanizer. A he's a scumbag. Sure. He wasn't, you know, he, he doesn't, he takes advantage of his daughter's finances and he's, <laughs> He takes drinks, her steel or her silver necklace drinks it all the all the money away and just leaves her with nothing and she has kids and it's just it's a tough life for her and i get why she doesn't want jem to fall into that groove i mean he's i wish the movie had done it a different way because as we're presented as we're presented with jem belcher he's a good dude like he's a good law-abiding mama's boy abiding like he's a good like you know kiss his mom in bed every night before he and sure. i'm just i'm not quite sure that character entrance was the way to do it i'm not sure that introduction to gem was the way to do it like because i was expecting a different movie by the way we were introduced to gem is that's not how gem is 30 minutes in the movie we've completely overdone like the character is completely different than where he starts he's changed that's true and he does age 35 35 years and 10 years <laughs> <laughs> um, but i i do there are certain things about that that are kind of charming as a matter of fact but it's um i do I mean him and his friend too. It's it's a, and then the story kind of gets lost. I think as as a broad way of talking about this movie, that there's like the first act and part of the second act is one movie, and then we get lost in gems adventures and high society and, and women and promoters and and oh know, man, it's weird running into the villain, the villain's fighter, and it's just it's a it takes a very strange turn, and then we get back in the ring, and then we get back to boxing. So and about, yeah, and then the movie like course corrects. Yeah, so it's like for, for like 25 minutes of this movie, it's like, what are we doing? Where are, Why are we talking about any of this? This is the life of Jem Belcher. Let's get back to Jem Belcher in the ring and doing yeah. what he does best. Uh, uh, what Grace is talking about is after Jem becomes the champion of England, he, uh, he ends up getting folded into high society. And it's not just, you know, for a little bit, you know, he's just out. He's got money for the first time in his life and he's meeting girls and he's eating food and he's drinking and partying. And, I mean, that's all well and good, right? Because, listen, there are plenty of people that fall into that trap in 2022, right? You know, you got a little bit of money for the first time, and life's a little bit easier for you. You're famous, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, we get to take a look a little bit on, like, the weird high society part of, like, London's underground here, where, like, there's a weird sex club that he goes to, some weird gambling ring where they're playing some modified form of poker, and it's just like, what is this about here? 
I, I just I, I struggle to see in a movie. This movie isn't very long, by the way. It's only about 105, to 100 to 105 minutes here. Um, why something like that occupies basically 25 percent of the movie? And it's an odd choice. It's it's weird. And the problem is all it does is solidify somebody into more of a villainous type role. OK, sure, I get that. But I think we could have done that a little bit better. You know, it, it basically all comes to a crux and Jim's downfall where like he's fighting like he's doing boxing exhibitions during like dinner parties while he's still drinking. And, you know, he ends up uh, basically playing handball um, with the the other promoter. What's what's his name? I forget his name off the top of my head. What's Who's the that? rival? The rival promoter. Oh, um, Lord, um, Lord Rushworth. Yeah. Lord Rushworth. He's playing handball with him and the ball ricochets off the wall and hits him directly look, look, in the look, eye. Look, that's a, that's an awful, awful scene. Yeah. Like that's a, come on, man. That's yeah. the best you can. That's how you're going to show us that happens. No, no, I mean, if it on, on, on paper, if he, if Jem really got hit by a ricocheting ball and handball fine, but the way they showed it, it's not good. The way they showed it, anyone would have been up in a hundred percent in 10 minutes. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. But I mean, look, with these lower budgets, it's sometimes it's really tough to do that. So, I mean, I don't know what kind of creative constraints they came across, but I'm giving the movie the benefit of the doubt and saying that are, that is a result of low budget creative constraints. Things had to be done. Sure. Uh, but I mean, that whole the whole situation is weird. And it, it basically ends with Jim heading back home to, you know, like that rocky moment where he's got to like get his life back on track, get back training, that sort of stuff. Because while he's been out, uh, out injured, you know, another, another champion of England has been crowned and it's not him. So in the rest of the, the remainder of the movie after that is him working back up to that fight. So, um, it's just that whole situation where it slides off the rails there. I don't, I don't get it. And it definitely to me hurts this movie. So, there's that. Also, one other thing I do want to point out, because me and Grace were talking about this before we started. Um, I have problems with this movie visually. Um, I think this movie looks like a low budget presented um, television show. It. I mean, no, it has it, that. As, it has that. As, well, it's, it's not even like the visual, like the aesthetics of like what they're wearing and stuff like that. Like visually, it's not crisp. It doesn't look very good. Like technically it's bad. And I, I, I tend to judge things very harshly when I see things like this because it is 2000, uh, 2021 is when they filmed this obviously, but in 2022, like this is the bare minimum of acceptable that you can have. It I agree, but it's, it's, it's because they're, they're <clears throat> it's because they, they chose to go with like a super, I want to say lower end digital camera rig. And there's, there's a lot of different camera tricks you can do to make it look filmic. But the more you, the more they do it, the more, I think they went overboard with it. And when you go overboard, it's like, yikes. It was like, I was watching a PlayStation two cutscene <laughs> from back in the day. Yes, you know sir. what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, I don't disagree with you. You know, the whole like low light situation pretty much everywhere we were. It just It's pretty rough in that scenario. It gives it, but it, I mean, that's the stylistic choice they wanted to go with. And I mean, I can't say that 
in the grand scheme of things outside of the aesthetic, I kind of liked some of the lighting, but the most of the aesthetics I like, ah, gee, can't we just afford some better, better gear here? But I mean, it's one of those things that also when you're shooting this, you know, over in the UK and Australia, a couple different locations like that. I mean, they already have those. A lot of those sets are like standing sets and like they already have. Yeah, them, so. That's, that's as generic of like British society sets that you can have which i mean it's fine people seem to love that stuff so yeah i mean look at i mean um what's the downton abbey like everyone loves that kind of downton abbey kind of but downton abbey looks good well but (laughs) yes it's a it's a it's a better production value a better budget show uh it's a better budget product but i mean prize fighter it i really do think there's a better movie to eke out of this if you put a little more time and effort into it a little bigger of a budget you could really have a, a, a compelling story here I, I think so yeah that's the thing so after because obviously i didn't know who jim belcher jim belcher was before this no idea right um i'm not a boxing aficionado aficionado i'm not a boxing aficionado um it's not really my thing i do enjoy a good boxing match i do hell i enjoy a good boxing movie i think everybody should some of the some of the best sports movies are boxing movies. Um, but with this story, after reading more about it, like the story of his real life is actually more entertaining than the story we get on screen. And it's hard to translate stuff like that a lot of times, but I think they didn't do it. I think the, the points that they tried to make across this movie just don't really hit home. Um, you know, his family, like to his mom being perpetually sad, <laughs> just a sad, sad lady. Um, but then, like, you have the rest of his family that we barely even – what do they get, five minutes of screen time? They do, yeah. I mean, you don't – I don't even know. I was a little confused as to who – there's, like, an older woman that lives – not his mom's age, but, like, his age, but a woman. I'm like, it was that was his sister. His sister, I believe, yeah. But, like, we never uh, – until someone says something about his sister, I didn't yeah. know that was his sister because, like, she's never – we never see her in the beginning, yeah. like, ever. I couldn't even tell you what her name was. I probably I have the cast out. list in front of me. <laughs> it's just I mean, look. This isn't Rocky. It's not. Well, no, but here It's okay, not so, Cinderella man. It's not that. Well, but so here's Rocky is a pure underdog story and, you know, for for what it's worth, it's great. You know, it's just since Cinderella man is an, not only an underdog story, but it's also about it's a human interest. It's the power of uh, it's it's a power of the emotional of, of oh. no it's it's a power of a human interest story when you really focus on a guy, but like I mean in it you know it's in the depression his family doesn't can't eat sometimes and he's got to find regular work just to make sure they have some kind of heat and something in their belly every morning you know there's more to it than that and it's this one it there's a there's a point in there where they try to upplay the underdog part but but it doesn't work because then they never put any real effort into it and there's right. and there's a part where they try to upplay the human interest value of it and it doesn't work because they don't go anywhere with it so i mean you, you can't have a movie that's got its foot in it's got one leg in one and the other leg in the other and just say oh it'll be, people will love it it just doesn't <laughs> it doesn't work like that you have to commit to one or the other i think in this particular instance in a boxing film you really have to commit to one or the other yeah. Um, but just you know, it just—it's a shame because there's a lot of great assets here. This cast is amazing for what this movie gives you. Like, this is one of the biggest disappointments in relation to cast I think we've seen in a long time. Can we can we spend just a minute and talk about the whole scene where he's in prison? <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> it's 
So he ends up, he's drunk, half blind, wandering the streets, like picking fights with locals, right? And he ends up in jail because of course you do, you ignorant ass. And he's just like sitting there in, I don't know if he's hallucinating for a while or what, but like there's this guy sitting beside him in the cell beside him who's like preaching to him like he's some sort of oracle. Like, wake from the darkness, Jim. I'm just like, what again, the hell again, is going on here? Again, they tried to do some weird stylistic thing. And it's just, <laughs> it didn't work. It's just, I imagine that there is a much longer version of this somewhere, which, you know, is fine. It's just, I'm, I'm amazed that this is what we got. And I've been willing, I'm even willing to bet there's a, there's a version of this that has Russell Crowe in the entire thing. Because okay. the, you know, after about the five minute mark, when I was like, "Oh, Russell Crowe's not gone yet. He's not dead. His character, like when he, because we never really see. We 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 know that he's got all kinds of problems. His body is broken and riddled with uh, being herpes. No, not her, but his body probably herpes. He's got some terrible drinking diseases. We, we see him in a bed. You know, when he's when he's trying to give his son some good advice, we never really see him die. We just kind of assume it happens. He just kind of lays there. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I gotta go die now. You know, what's your, what's the comment you said about he he did this in an afternoon? I mean, I don't think it was. Oh like, yeah, <laughs> like Russell Crowe shows up in the middle of the afternoon drunk, and he's like, "What scenes first? He's like fighting in the woods, Russ, and he's like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> <laughs> he goes and he punches some guys in the face for a while. He's like, I gotta go lay down. He's like, great, let's do the death scene. Come on, <laughs> on over. I bet you, Russell. Uh, I bet you, uh, Russell Crowe filmed his stuff in less than a week. He probably got a good. I bet you he got like five hundred grand or a million out of it, and then he was done. They let Russ get drunk at lunch and film two scenes. <laughs> but let's. But so let's talk about Russell Crowe and Ray, Ray Weinstone, two guys that. They have great voices, especially for film. It's oh, yeah. wonderful voices. I mean, especially Ray Weinstone. He his voice is just pure gold, man. Mm-hmm. And it's a. I think I like this movie more than most people because of Ray Weinstone and, as an extension, Russell Crowe. Sure, it's so important. That, I mean, if they if they had replaced Ray Weinstone with almost anybody else who didn't have the voice, this movie would would would, would be a one. In a lot of critics eyes, I'm sure. I mean, Ray Weinstone deep down subliminally, I'm sure helped the movie with them a lot more than they think he did. You know, same with with Crow's character. I mean, the, the, the the title character, the title actor, uh, gem played on Matt hookings. He sure didn't do anything for the movie. Nah, not really. He never, I never bought that. He was a night or an 1828 era boxer or a pugilism. They're calling it pugilism. The art um, of pugilism. Yeah, the art mm-hmm. of pugilism, which, I mean, it's one thing, but I just never bought his character as his character. I just never bought it. I, I mean, I really got into almost everyone else in the movie except him, and that's sure. a problem. When he's your title character, it's a, that's a problem. Yeah. I mean, he's the guy who who put major weight behind making this. So, I mean, that's a problem, a huge problem, which I guess isn't the biggest problem in the movie by far, but mm, it's, well, certainly, it certainly is one of them. Uh, so Roger, we were talking before we started shooting about, uh, the score. Sure. So let's, so let's go ahead and let's just, we have differing opinions on the score. I really kind of, I didn't mind the score. I liked it quite a bit. Uh, I liked that kind of, it really reminded me. I mean, look, there's a ton of movies with just 
insert English Irish music here. I get that. I mean, mm-hmm. I get your argument there. Sure. So that is that is my argument. Like uh, we were talking about the score before we started because Grayson Grayson looks for the score sometimes to redeem how he feels about a movie, and I kind of come at him a little bit saying, "Hey, look, I think the score is as generic as it gets. Like it doesn't feel." Like, it doesn't really add anything. No, I'm not saying detracts anything. It's not terrible, okay? But it's as blah, vanilla, gray, bland as you get. You know, like, there's folksy Irish music when they're out at the carnival fair thing or whatever. You know, there's, like, uh, a little bit of high speed or a little bit of more amped up stuff during there, like, the mini training montage stuff. But other than that, it's it's just plain generic. And I think using having something like this where, you know a little bit better sound would have elevated it. I don't, it doesn't get that. And this movie's not good enough to be able to coast by with mediocre at best. Well, it's not the, the generic like festival music in when he's in town. Mm-hmm. That's not, that's not the music I was really going for. Sure. The music, no, I get you. the music I really, or the, the, the parts of the scores I really loved was the Russell part. You know, when he's training with Bill were after he's had kind of a falling out with him and he's getting back into it. Sure. Um, when, and that, you know, that's for the only time it's actually, I think it's actually okay. I do have a problem with that montage. I'll let you get back to your thing here in a second. When he's in the mud, like knee deep in the mud, and he's like, catch one of those flies. He's like, which one? He's like, the blue one. And then all of a sudden, you see like a blue polka dot appears on the screen. <laughs> Did you notice that? Well, even if the blue polka dot didn't appear on the screen, that's a ridiculous request of anybody. Sure. No, it, it is. But like, so to... to Instead of just letting it slide, like somebody at Amazon gets an idea, like we have to digitally insert a blue <laughs> fly here, and it looks fucking corny. It just looks it's dumb. It's just bad. Who they, thought this was this? Let it go. Is it like catch any one of the flies, idiot? You know, it, that works just fine. Uh, how about you catch any of the flies because it's because it's damn near impossible. Or for even better, you say all of them. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And, and I mean, it's just. Okay. Or someone someone watched the um, Batman Begins like, oh, the blue flower idea is great. Make it make it a blue fly this time. Mm, yes, uh, chopsticks um, from fucking Karate Kid style. <laughs> Come on, dude, get out of here. Yeah, it is, it's ridiculous. But I mean, I, that's not the I mean. But the the this the this sequence in the film when like uh, Jack Slack is sitting at the bar and Jody May, his daughter, walks up and she's like, "Leave my son." alone he's like oh you come to have a swig with your old man and like that's when he's being really menacing like i really mm-hmm. that's when russell crowe shines man i don't want to say when he's being a villain but he's being kind of villainous if you know sure. if that makes sense no but, I, that makes sense i know what you mean he's being and, intimidating in this movie that's kind of where he shines is he knows how to use a voice he knows how to use his physical presence and prowess uh i just there's there's some quality here to be to be glimmed even if it's a little bit well can we talk one second about the other bar scene where young Jem is looking at him drunkenly sloshing booze around a bunch of mostly nude women <laughs> like, he's just staring at him from across the bar but like, that that scene goes a little this? too far yeah no it's it's, it's weird it's very strange I mean, there, there are there listen uh, I'm not a prude guy by any means, um, but there are some like really weird like sexual things in this movie, um, like especially with like the high society thing. Did you notice the part where like the old man is just having sex with a woman in a room and they're just walking by like nothing's happening? Like, what's the point of that? Is that just to show us like high society is just debauchery and chaotic or whatever? 
because no, I, it was I, I like because it, it made me look at the screen and go what the fuck. Well, it, it it helps Jem figure out what what world he's really in. You know what I mean? Like especially when this place is awesome. <laughs> I don't know about, I don't know about awesome, but like he does a line of coke and finds a bunch of chicks. <laughs> <laughs> It's like oh my god! But, I, I mean, it's know. it's it's a dichotomy between where he wants to be and where he is. Certainly, sure. And I mean, when they, especially those scenes when they talk about when he's back home having dinner with his family, and you know, the, the his sisters like, I hear the women have different dresses for every day, and he's like, that's just London. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, what do you what am I to tell you? And I, I, I really kind of didn't like their attempt at that <clears throat> of trying to, you know, take the use London as a character and then or like, or, or sorry, I, I misphrased that high society London as a character, but then only show us this weird, you know, this weird snippets of it, not even the flattering snippets. I mean, wouldn't you want to show the audience, the people watching this movie, the flattering side of London high society? Yeah. Because I that's, think I would. that's the part that Jem wanted to be in, but he didn't, he, he never made it to that part. He only made it like, Hey Jem, why don't you this old guy screw this chick? What do you think, bro? It's very strange. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted, as we move closer to uh, scoring, this is the second episode of the week. It's the shorter one is I wanted more out of it. When this movie started, I wanted more out of it. Well, it, it feels like if you watch the trailer, right? The trailer is the best part of this movie by far. Well, the, the trailer of any boxing movie is the best part of it because you're seeing all the highlights. Definitely the snippets. Uh, I don't know. I mean, okay, I guess I understand what you mean a little bit with that. But, I mean, it's it's not even close to how how much better this trailer makes this movie seem to be. I mean, you get, like, front, uh, you get like Bloody Gem fighting at the championship thing. You get, like, Russell Crowe. You don't even get to see Ray, uh, Ray Weinstone. Like, he's not even in the trailer, is he? I don't think so. Yeah, he's the best part of this movie. By far the best part of this movie. <laughs> and... It, this movie, like the trailer sets it up as like this big sweeping epic of, you know, like this rags of riches story. And I mean, I guess it's got some of that, but it just it just fails to execute. I agree. I 100% agree. And it's unfortunate because this has all the makings. This has a recipe of a movie that Grayson should love. And tell me, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm right about that. You are. You, so, so I was worried when I watched this movie because, listen, this movie's not good. And Grayson's going to agree with me on it. I know he is. Um I was worried that after I watched this and I was just like, oh, God, this is so bad. I was worried you were going to come in and be like, I loved Prize Fighter, guys. It was riveting. I loved it. And you're just like, this is not good. No, I mean, here's. I, I'm I've, gonna, gotten I mean, your, I've gotten to know your movie choices a little uh, a long, uh, you know, a good bit over the last few years. No, but you, you know me well. And you, you know things I like swoon over. And, sure. You know. really, that's, that's why I went. So before we started, like we said, I, I kind of I tried to like see where Grayson was standing with certain things. So I was like, listen, the score stinks. You can't even defend it. And he's like, it's like, well, I like it. I'm just like, bullshit. It's terrible. <laughs> well, I mean, I like certain, I liked it in certain aspects, but it's sure. this movie to me. And, and another movie I can use an example is Django Unchained. As soon as Christoph Randolph or was it Christoph Waltz dies, yep. the movie for me just completely just flatlines. It's Ooh. a, it's over. Like, I don't like the movie past that point. A movie just loses all of its steam when the one interesting character in the entire movie dies. And okay, but there's still 45 fucking minutes left of that movie after he dies. Sorry, spoilers from 2012. I assure you, I love Django for everything that it is. Fine, okay. But in this movie, after Russell Crowe dies, the movie really does, it takes a turn for the worse. I mean, 
I'm not saying that uh, Ray Weinstone can't do what he can to save it, and he does. He makes it watchable because if that wasn't Ray Weinstone, oh boy, yeah. oh boy, if that was someone without his voice, even oh boy, you know, without that's that the that character has to be an old grizzled warrior with a rough, gruff voice, the same way that James Earl Jones had to voice Darth Vader after the first movie. Like no, no one else could do it ever. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. that important that they, that they nail that aspect of that character. So <laughs> the part when he's in the part and he's like, that right there is not a guy you can't hit, but that's almost a guy that you can't hit. <laughs> was he, he was what? Mr. French in the departed. Yep. That was Mr. French. Yep. He's running the crew. That's when, uh, I mean, he's I like in, he's at the bar and the guy makes fun of him for ordering the cranberry juice and asks him if he's on his period and he hits him in the face with a glass. I love, yeah, that's, <laughs> Incredible the, cinematic Ray, masterpiece of all the Ray Wine. I mean, I think he is actually the best guy in King Arthur, and that's not saying a lot, but it bores the, the night. I, th- I love him in there. I mean, I love I mean, Beowulf. I love him in Beowulf. I love his sure. voice in Beowulf. Beowulf is also not a good movie. No, but it's. It's okay. You know, it's one of those like, eh, it's okay. Sure. It's not going to win the Oscar, but it's all right. Um, I mean, a lot of those uh, British movies before he got huge in the States are also, he's also great in. It's just, he's a treasure man. And I, I just, I want to see more of him before he retires from acting. And he's getting up there. So he's in his mid 60s now. I want to see more of him. But uh, you know what? He may have even, let me ask, let me ask you this, Roger. If, sure. let's just say Russell Crowe said no. Okay. Could, could he have been Jack Slack or is, or is it more important that he's Bill Wurr? I think he's he's more important as Bill. Okay, fair enough. Got no, no listen, I, nothing against Russell Crowe. Obviously, I've seen him at his absolute best. I think there's a few people that could have played broken down boxing man. You know. Yeah, you're probably right about that. There, so, uh, there are very few people that could have played Bill Were that way. Yeah. No. Okay. Point taken. I didn't think about that. Point taken. Uh, you're you're definitely right about that. Oh man, I. I... I'm so disappointed in a movie like this because it just it has all the makings of something great. And after I mean that's I mean that's after we got fucking Cinderella Man exists with Russell Crowe when he's in this movie as a boxer. Like what in the hell? Ah, man oh man. Um, so let me ask you one question before we score it, and this will be the last thing I bring up because I just want to talk about boxing movies in general for just two minutes. Okay. Let me ask you a serious question, and I'm just going to focus because there are a lot of good boxing movies. Okay, so I'm just going to focus on the original five Rocky movies. Is this better than any one of those five Rocky movies? Because I know it's not better than at least four of them. <laughs> Certainly not better than Rocky is so, pretty untouchable. Maybe yep. two and three. Maybe four, four is four is untouchable. Maybe five. Okay, so that was what I was thinking, right? This because listen, Rocky Five is universally panned as the worst of the Rockies, even after you know the the Rocky and then the Rocky Balboa. Um, movies and then obviously the Creed spinoff, which are very good as well. Um, with this movie, I would say it's still worse than the fifth Rocky movie. No, there's I don't think there's any argument there. I, this movie's this movie's pretty bad. Uh, it's just it's it's kind of to me it's like deceptively bad because it's 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 like it's it's almost like you your dog poops in someone's living room. You you, you try to cover it up with like with like spraying a bunch of sweet smelling thing. It only works for so long before you're like, I mean, Russell Crowe, um, Ray Weinstone, Jody may can only work their magic for so long before you're sure. like, God damn this. The, the, the middle 30 minutes of this movie don't do anything. Okay. And one, la- one last question. 
Is this movie better or worse than Never Back Down? Oh, that one's bad too, though. But like, I kind of dig that movie because it's fun bad. Well, see, Never Back Down is fun bad, and it never tries to be too serious, and that's True. the except with it's, it's Karate Kid with MMA fighting. Except with Jimon Hansu and the whole story with him and his brother, and now he had to leave because his dad wouldn't even look at him again. And mm-hmm. then you have the whole thing with um the girl. I had Amber Heard in it before she yeah. went crazy. Amber Heard and um I forget the kid's name, but he's uh, he's he's a relatively decent actor. Um, about the the sword or the, the shield of Achilles and what the what the depictions on Achilles shield mean they you know they mean that he fights so the people around him can live a life mm-hmm. with without war um, there's some interesting things going on there now what I just said is probably more interesting than anything going on in this movie <laughs> so and and tell me this Holy okay. shit they made a second one of those movies yeah they've, they've made several oh, I didn't know that but it went straight to it's like it's it's a weird it's a very weird thing but mm. Let me ask you this. The last shot of this movie, how did you take that? Of Jem, but like the last shot of him, like this weird mm-hmm. mug shot of Jem. Like, how did you take yeah. that? It was just a proper send off for a not great movie. Well, they wanted to, I, they wanted it to be this hugely profound imp- impactful shot. And it definitely was not, which is unfortunate because I'm sure that whoever was like, dude, we got to do that shot in the end. And then like, up. Oh, Nope, doesn't save it. Doesn't save the movie at all. Uh, I thought mm. it was. I thought it was weird. I thought it was you know misused assets. Um, I, I mean, I did really dig after he loses the fight. The guy gets up, and he kind of like he raises him up as the real champ. Mm-hmm. If that's what really happened, then that's what really happened. Then I'm all for the reality of the situation. Sure, I okay. like you know authentic reality. Uh, but I mean, I don't know if like I I love when. <laughs> I love, I love when Bill War walks over and just punches the other promoter in the face. <laughs> and says, and he, wipes, he wipes his gloves. Like, I ain't dirty. I ain't dirty, Bill. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, "I'm not. I don't. I didn't take anything he asked me to do. I, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna win this fair and square." Uh, I really love that part of that. I think that might be my favorite part of the movie is when Bill just walks over and just punches Martin Sarkis' character in the face, right in the mouth. Like that's just that's great. Hundred percent wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, again, that's that's Ray Weinstone being Ray Weinstone. So love that. Um, all right, so Roger, let's move into scoring this bad boy. I'll go first, um, okay? Because I think I, I I've thought about this for days, like literal days. I was laying in bed last night, I thought about it all day at work. I thought about it the last two days. I've thought about it. You know, on my ride home from uh, Baltimore, I thought about it. Mm, had a long ride home, <laughs> much longer than it should have been. But yes. <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted every fiber in my being. Wanted to give this movie a five or a six. It's this movie is a three, mm. and I think I'm even being a half point generous. But the half point is the quality that Ray Weinstone, Jody May, and Russell Crowe bring, and or else it would have been a you know two and a half, or even a two. I, I I'm gonna stick with three. That's the my official. But I could see arguments for two, one even. I could see arguments for, but three is what I'm giving it. Okay, well, say I'm I'm glad that you did that because listen, this movie's a three. Um, it's not very good. I will probably never watch Prize Fighter again. Uh, if anybody asks me what I think about Prize Fighter, I'll say just watch Creed two, and you'll feel better about yourself. Just a little diatribe of Creed. Creed and Creed two are excellent, excellent. movies. <laughs> they are man, those are so good. I just rewatched them uh, a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, I I'm always like. Holy shit, these movies are great. 
Like, we, I, are, we are supposed to get a third Creed that'll complete the trilogy, and I think that would be incredible. But there's also uh, a Drago spinoff. So yeah, well, they want to use uh, the Florian, uh, was it Fontanescu or whatever? I think that's his name. The big giant Drago monster. They want to make a movie along that line. Oh, listen, I'd be interested in that, but that doesn't exactly appeal to me uh, as much as Creed 3 would. Well, but I mean, I don't... I didn't think Creed would appeal to me either because I didn't. I mean, but it's so good. <laughs> it, it is. They made it. They made it. But here's the thing: is they found a way to tell the story where Rocky Mountaineau, Florian Mountaineau. Yeah, you're invested in it because it's it's a damn good story. But it's. I mean, it's like Top Gun. They they made all the right choices with Creed. All the right choices with Creed. Um, I, I just I'm so excited for Creed three. Just thinking about it now, I'm like I'm starting to get goosebumps. Very mm. excited. Uh, that's one I think we should do a watch party for. We got John Wick and Creed <laughs> watch parties. Planned. Listen, Creed three is dated for March. Mm, I cannot wait for that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, give boy, it to oh, me. Boy. Give it to me. Give me all the creeds, and then give me the Drago. I was very surprised what they did with the Drago. How the they brought the Drago storyline into Creed and Creed or into the, into the Creed spinoff is. I, I was just surprised how how well thought out that was. You know they brought they brought back Ivan Drago. They brought even I mean it was even who's the actor? How I can't think of his name. Who's Drago? Uh, Dolph. No, Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. yeah, I mean they yeah. even brought Dolph back. I mean it's they made the right choices, and I I like to reward movies when they do that, See, especially sequels because it, it, you did deserve to be rewarded for that. But Prize Fighter made none of the right choices, <laughs> or very few of them, I should say, very few, unfortunately, but. All right, Roger, this has been episode 292B of For the Love of Cinema. B. Each new episode posts every Tuesday and Friday at 5 a.m. on the podcast service of your choice of the following five. Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Please leave a comment or two, rate, subscribe. Every little bit helps. More importantly, thank you very much for listening. Check out the show on Twitter, at Love Cinema Pod. I am at Grayson Maxwell One. I am at Rod Stillian. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook. Always posting things on social media. Send us an email to for the love of cinema podcast at gmail.com. And next week we're taking a look at Dragon Ball Super, Superhero, and the pilot episode for House of Dragon on HBO. Ooh. Ooh.